All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Mike and Doug podcast. Doug is back again. Mm-hmm. Doug, how long are you back for? Forever now. I'll go forever, time. forever. Yes, I was carrying it there for a while. Back started to hurt. Um, but welcome, Tay Hawker. Tay, appreciate you coming on, taking the time. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for for asking me to join you. Yeah, please. Long time, no, no talk. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it wasn't that long. It's been a couple of months, maybe. Yeah, I know. It's the start of the year. Mm-hmm. Before we really? took all our yeah, before we took all our trips to Florida. Time flies. Time yeah. Mm. Doug and I did take a lot of trips. Yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So Tay, tell us a little bit about you know where you got started. You grew up. You obviously grew up in New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, it's been, don't you, you can't just let me run wild because it's been a uh, <laughs> interesting last uh, 10 to 15 years. But yeah, born and raised in New Zealand, uh, spent a bit of time in Indonesia growing up um, with, with the old man's work, uh, but went to boarding school in, in Wanganui, New Zealand, and um, was pretty much the, the sports guy. Um, I laugh about it now with my headmaster and that because I'm kind of at the age where you, you build that colloquial relationship with your old professors and headmasters and whatnot. Um, but I, I was the epitome of the jock. My grades weren't great, but I was decent <laughs> on the sports field. Um, and so school was kind of coming to an end. I, my entire life, I had a real passion for American sports. Um, not sure why. I didn't have a whole lot of mates that were into it or anything, but um, I really loved the the industry itself. I was a bit of a sports business nerd. Uh, it, was about, it was pretty much the only thing that would get me to sit down and read and, and stuff was if it was about salaries or ownership and and different structures of, of how teams were um you know developing their their you know ownership structure and a lot of the new leads leagues etc but I, I was into all of that and so i knew i wanted to go to america um started reaching out to a few college coaches when i was in my last year of high school uh to play rugby i, I was playing rugby my entire life and i managed to get a, a full ride scholarship to lindenwood university um out in uh, st louis missouri um, and then uh, following that, the next 10 years got real crazy and kind of led me to to where I got to with um, starting my own agency. But it, originally, everything started was a internship with the St. Louis Rams at the time. Um, I originally started as a training camp intern. So my role was kind of to um, blow up bouncy castles and play with kids at, at the tailgates and things like that. But um, I don't know what it was, but I couldn't believe the fact that I'd come all the way from a a little farming town in in the bottom of the North Island, New Zealand to be at training camp, you know, with senior executives at the St. Louis Rams. And so there was days there that we were all done with our job. And I just really didn't like the idea of just getting in my car and going home. And so I would kind of float around the facility, introduce myself to different people and ask if they need a hand. So I ended up like picking up trash around the field some days and other days I would be setting up a tent here and there for autographs. And then next month I was holding, you know, water for our VIP guests. And it was started off pretty small like that, but then um, my boss kind of took a liking to me and um, introduced me to Billy Johnson, who was an offensive line scout with the Rams back then. We still is, uh, his job's changed a little bit now though he's on the road, but he was in the house at the time. Um, Got to know Billy really well, and uh, he he offered to kind of let me be on, sit on as an assistant with the scouting team. So 
Um, again, I don't know any New Zealanders that have been a scout in the NFL, but I can I can claim that. Uh, I, I never like talking in absolute, so I won't say I'm the only or the first. I mm-hmm. don't know, um, but I, I haven't met any. I can tell you that. Um, so really cool to kind of get that opportunity to go from rugby into football and um, yeah, the, the journey kind of continues from there, but I'll, I'll cut myself off. You guys, how'd you, how'd you like the scouting? Um, I loved it. It's way harder than I think people give it credit for. Uh, there's a lot of people that are like, wow, you're a scout. That's so cool. You just get to watch football. It's like kind of, but it's also 12 to 15 hour days, uh, more caffeine and, and juice than you'd ever imagine. Um, the guys are wired. Uh, watching film snap after snap because you watch way more than you think it's not highlights um mm-hmm. it's you're watching every snap for an entire season of one person from two different angles and you're taking notes and it's you know you were sit there for 12 hours watching football and you may, might get through maybe one maybe two people um give or take so um it's a it's really hard work uh it's high pressure uh especially when it comes down to the draft you know we're prepping for the draft i was there the year that we took jared goff over carson wentz and i think that oh, i believe it paid off took jared took the, the rams to the super bowl and um you know he's gone on to be a good footballer and i uh, you know i wouldn't talk ill on carson but he, he's had a bit of more of an unlucky career in, in the league so um you know i think we, we did well in that decision but yeah, the the short answer is, mate. It's a it's tough. It's not a, a glamorous lifestyle. I don't no, think. I uh I just recently talked to a guy who's a scout, I guess, person at the Lions for six years, and he said he'll travel for like, I guess, weeks at a time because he did the college scouting. So he would travel so much and go visit every college and just make notes of everything. So he knew he has like. It's weird because I know all the players from ODU. So imagine that times, I don't know, 50 schools. So it's just, it's just a lot. And now he's at, he's a, I guess a recruit, not recruiting, but scout personnel at Florida for transfers and JUCOs. So he asked me, when I talked to him, he asked me about a couple of guys from ODU that are in the portal. Yeah. Just naturally. I don't know the direction you, you want the podcast to go, but the portal and NIL. Uh, we can talk about anything because I analytics is crazy right now. <laughs> as soon as, as soon as uh, uh, the last game, the Monday we had, I guess Coach Ronnie from ODU had the individual meetings and all the kids after the meeting will either go to the lockers and be fine or go to uh, the video coordinator's office and try to cut their tape. Just yeah. to go to the transfer portal and uh there's just so much. Yeah. Like oh, so many people. Oh, what was hilarious. the what was the hilarious tweet that we saw the other day? It was like, uh yeah. like are you are you declaring for the draft or are you just out of eligibility? <laughs> that one, yeah, that one got me because there's a lot of kids that declare for the draft and I'm just like I mean it's like you you can't play in college anymore, so it's either that or declare. Yeah. <laughs> uh they I've seen a couple of announcements from kids declaring for the draft that I've had to kind of go and I've got a pretty good college football understanding, but I've had to go and research who they were and be like, are you like, why? Okay. I mean, yeah. like, I don't blame them. Oh, if I was in anyone's position, I might not have even played college football. I'm going to declare and just see what happens because we're well, not played a snap. I should say and, and declare and yeah. see what happens. The only, yeah. the only thing, uh, like people declaring, I mean, they're not going to get invited to the, 
like pro day for the NFL, but every school has their own pro day. And if you have some guy that has some interest, they look at everyone on pro day. So you can, you just might have a good day and be like, wow, this guy's something. I mean, it's the only thing. Especially with what pra- if every year it gets better, but the practice squad salaries are awesome too. So like mm-hmm. I, I dare say that there's a good chance you're going to make more just by sitting on a practice squad than a regular job. Um, yeah. I guarantee that. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth it. I'd say. And then now with like the NFL being like 17, 16 weeks and the injuries, I had a, uh, I don't know if you know him, Stone Smart played at uh, ODU. He was a quarterback and then turned wide receiver for us last year. The, uh, the Chargers picked him up, signed him, made him get surgery on his foot, kept him, and now he, he plays for them. He's on the 53-man roster. Oh, that's awesome. Good fan. Which is like crazy because I'm like, did not expect this guy to even be on a team or like get picked up yeah, yeah. He's athletic but he still even for one year or whatever barely yeah. yeah yeah and he plays tight end they put him as tight end wow. so it's just like you just never know because he was on the practice squad and then a couple guys get injured you're elevated they yeah. need people it's uh, crazy. i i think it's it goes for all sports or all team mm-hmm. sports you never really know what you know the right structure strategy scheme coaching staff etc yeah. um is until you hit it and then you're like oh this is where i should be so like that story might have sounded really differently if he went to the eagles or you know mm-hmm. team. so you know it's an element of luck going into the right scheme that fits you as well as the coaches seeing something in you because you could have two coaches that have the same background and watch the same film and one of them will like you one won't and it's really it's there's so many variables and those sorts of things that it's like yeah. roll of the dice mm-hmm yeah, it's very uh what do you think of the transfer yeah. portal right now, Tay? I'll let you run wild with that one. I know <laughs> um, everyone's got an opinion on that. Yeah, they do. Um look, I'm all for for guys finding their best home. Um if that's not the first place, uh if that's not the first place you go to school or even the second, then sure continue to keep being happy that's the biggest thing everything you do in life should really just come down to being happy and if you're not happy in your current situation then go be happy wherever you can find it that's kind of the overarching thought process with that being said there's so much that goes into transferring that i'm fearful i'm not i'm not in the office or the rooms of the all these conversations so i can't speak to say that i know what they're being told but i'm fearful they're not being told everything and I don't know if they're meeting with academic advisors or compliance officers or just talking to their coach and then leaving because when you transfer, everyone thinks, oh, it's free agency. It's the furthest thing from free agency right now because it's not free. You can you can transfer, but that other school might not give you the same scholarship or it might not, your credits might not transfer over. You might go from playing at one school to not having PTD at another because each school has a very their own levels of what is eligibility what like colorado for example changed their eligibility requirements when uh coach prime went there because he knew that he was going to get people to transfer into previously colorado boulder had awful transfer um eligibility regulations so they didn't get a lot of transfers um so i'm just fearful that right now student athletes are getting wrong advice that they can just come and go as they please um they may get lucky but 
Another concern is that last I checked, and this was weeks ago, so I know it's more. There's 1,300 guys, and oh, this is more than now. Yeah, so let's estimate 1,500 plus. You now, now we're playing competition games. So you used to just transfer, and there's a couple hundred people in there, and you would have a good relationship with another coach. You find a different home, it's fine. Um, I watched a few of the ASU good guys do that um, last year, and they found homes. Ricky's gone to Florida and played awesome down there. Um, Jermaine's gone up to Louisville. He was injured, but it, you know Louisville's a great school. You, he's going to be fine up there. Um, but my point being, you can, it used to be a little bit easier. Now these coaches are looking at fifteen hundred plus footballers and trying to get a grasp of who's going to be the best fit. So not only are you taking a risk by leaving your current school, um, you're now rolling the dice that you're going to be better than all these 1500 others or however many are in your position uh at this next school so it's a massive roll of the dice that can affect your entire future and i think and, and that kind of asterisk is nil and that's obviously a, a space that i've been overly involved in throughout the last couple of years but people uh, i i really want these college athletes to understand that nil money will not set you up for the rest of your life for the most part, unless you're in that top couple of percent. NIL money really isn't all that. What is all that is your career, be that in an office or in a, on a football field, whatever it might be, your career will set you up for the rest of your life. And university is is a really special thing. I know there was that whole trend a couple of years ago, to like drop out of college because you don't need it sort of thing. University is a lot more than a piece of paper. And that university you might be transferring from might have a great um, education college or business school or whatever it might be that can set you up for a career and you're running away from that because you want a year to play football and someone told you they're going to give you $30,000 and a deal to the local barbecue joint. Like that you're taking like this short-term satisfaction or a, a chance at short-term satisfaction and leaving something that was really good for you. Um, and similarly, Sometimes you transfer to an Alabama or something um, and you you might be told with these sweet nothings again. This goes back to recruiting, which Doug, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with. There's You get told a lot of sweet nothings and you believe them because you, you think it's going to be amazing. And you wind up at the school and you're in your junior year by the time you see the field. And, you know, all the different stories you hear about. You're basically doing that again, but in the transfer portal. So now you transfer, you move everything, you move all your friends, move your stuff, roll the dice that you're not going to enjoy your new professors or whatever it might be. Leave the relationships you've already built to roll the dice. And then again, you might get lucky, but there's a high chance that you find yourself out of PTD, in uncomfortable surroundings. You NIL as well. I've seen so many occasions where the student athletes aren't getting paid for the money they were promised because you can't put this in a contract because it comes very pay for play-ish. If you say, if you come here, we'll give you this deal. You can't put it in writing. It's kind of like a under the yeah. table. And so they, they leave, they risk everything and wind up with nothing. And again, I love the, I love the concept that there will be um, some sort of freedom for a student athlete to be able to move around um, and, and be happy if they're not happy where they're at i love that but i think and we're not going to see it but i would love the ncaa to put some parameters in to well, not parameters but some sort of welfare 
rules in place like if it is going to be paid for play let them write it down and put it in a contract so you know they're going to get paid or make it a, a unilateral um ptd system or make universities get their um the the catalogs of classes on the same wavelength so that you can transfer freely and not have to lose credit hours or, or go back in school and all right. the rest of it like yeah. There's, there's a lot that needs to be done. But right now, the NCAA is terrified of lawsuits, and so they'd rather keep their mouth shut. Um, they're avoiding the, what could be antitrust issues. So um, they, they'd rather keep their mouth shut, which I logistically understand, I guess you could say. <laughs> but it, it comes at the, the that's, pain of the athlete. That's a, I always think that like NCAA made like transfer portal, and then they like let everyone go wild. And then see what happens and then later on put parameters and stuff like that and govern it later because i always think how like the ncaa is there but you can so like you can violate all their rules and they would never know unless a coach would bring it up because it's not yeah it's self-reporting because <laughs> there's not an ncaa officer at our <laughs> golf practice making sure we practice for four hours and that's it. We didn't go over. Yeah. Like, What's too big of an industry you get, you would have, you it needs to be self-reporting because you've got mm -hmm. hundreds of universities across the country. So um, you're dead right. It's always going to be self-reporting. Um, the other trouble is that we've watched laws or in NIL laws at least be broken and universities not get punished for it. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. yet if we'll come down, but the NCAA is scared of setting precedent on this um so you, you're dead right it, it's going to be self-reporting and a lot of people aren't going to report themselves was, i'm not sure if it's still the case but there was a stage there with nil that um the universities had to uh put in their own punishments for the student athletes uh if they broke nil rules now what university is going to punish like they might set an example on a non-revenue generating sport and a player that doesn't produce for the team they might just like slap a wrist because they're like oh look we're putting rules in place but you're not sitting your starting quarterback ever for doing anything that would be an absolute uproar so mm. yeah it's uh, the self-reporting thing is is a problem um but <laughs> like i don't have a solution so i yeah. don't don't sit here and and act like i'm the almighty that's telling them what they're doing wrong no. i don't i don't have the answer either no i'm glad i like I'm not a part of the NCAA and have to figure all that out because there are going to be some loopholes where they're going to be exploited to, to get kids to come in or whatever. Cause the biggest thing I found working with football recruiting, when they bring in recruits, they do all this stuff for them. And I'm just like, we never do none of that. And even the kids know it who like do commit to you and then be there for a year. They're like, Damn, I got promised so much and I'm just on the scout team. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, that's the yeah. the oldest story. The story of time is is over promising and recruiting. Um even in golf. Yeah. Well, I'm, golf I'm for sure. Us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they want to get you on the door. I, mm -hmm. I like it's just it's tough, man. You're yeah, you're selling. Yeah. You, so with yeah. the the transfer portal, it's like it's so easy to put your name in but that's not they make they kind of make it when what i got from what you said tay it's like yes in in theory it's super easy to transfer all you have to do is put your name in the thing but 
there's so many other things that go along with that. Like the actual like compliance act is like very easy, but nothing else about transferring is like easy, I guess. Right. It would be handy if they maybe there's a checklist of you understand this and someone in house goes through it with you before you can even enter. Right. So you, like where you transfer, you need to think through this and you need yeah. to speak to them about this. Um, you know, that that's some of the stuff I, I worked with when I was at ODU actually with some of the soccer guys when they transferred, I sat down with them and I made sure they were aware. But but I had these conversations after they were in the portal because that's when I found out they were transferring. Like they would never come to talk to me first and be like, I'm thinking of transferring. Because if they did, I could say, Amazing, let's look through the things you need to know before you do so. Um, and I would have done that, but it was always after the fact. I'm like, all right, now that you're transferring, here's the things you need to know about. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well. I think, oh, by the way, only 10 of your credits are going to transfer. So you yeah, pay for two more years. You're going to be a freshman again. Hope you enjoyed the four years you've done so far. Yeah. Cause I know with the football players, everyone's like, it's, it's always the guys that are on the scout team that want to transfer because they want to play. And I don't know what runs through their head, but I'm like, if you're transferring and the only film you have is during practice and you don't play, you're not going to go up a level. You're either going to go down and then you're like, you really want to go down a level just so you can play. And then another thing I've noticed is that with football, especially football, if you're a freshman and you start, you are really good. I don't, I didn't realize like, like, you want juniors and seniors to play because they know it, they've learned it and they've been through it and they will just get better. But if you're an incoming freshman and you play straight away, you are really good. And that's what I didn't think. I didn't think some kids understand. They come in as a freshman on the scout team. Like, man, I'm never going to play. I'm like, just wait. Oh, I used to love talking to freshmen uh, and rookies in the league about their first game at that jump, like from high school to college, college to the pros. And the, no one has ever been like, oh, it's pretty similar. Everybody's been like, man, they hit harder. They run faster. Everything's more intense. It's a big jump. And so mm-hmm. absolutely, I think freshmen coming into college need to understand that sitting is a great thing. You get to sit back, take the pressure off, learn the playbook, understand how different it is. And then maybe you get an opportunity sophomore year, pro, uh, maybe in the in a bowl game because everyone's sitting out of those now. So you might get called up then and, um maybe junior year get some stamps we've seen a lot of guys not really play to junior senior year maybe sometimes senior year and mm-hmm. out and go to the league it's you don't need that much so no being patient uh, is massive um you know you can put some ducks in a row as well when you're in college and i've seen guys at asu especially um get you know hang in there not do a whole lot wind up going into their senior year with a master's because they've done and I'm thinking of one mm-hmm. guy, I won't use names because I might get the story wrong, but um, he's in. The, he's still playing in the league. He got a master's in four years, so did his bachelor's in three, one-year master's, uh, so played all four years and then got drafted in the second or third round um, and is now having a good career in the league and a master's degree, which is massive because yeah. that's the whole next cliche conversation is the, the NFL is not for long. So mm-hmm. um having those sorts of things in place that you can retire and go immediately into a good job and start providing for your family and everything is amazing because the league you think you I think we spend a lot of time watching ESPN and seeing all the big numbers and the salaries. It's a very small percentage of guys that are making that and, and mm-hmm. everyone else is um, sort of up down contracts make 
a pretty good wage don't get me wrong but it's not lifelong and it's it will, won't get you that far in the scheme of things so um and, yeah and another so, thing yeah. with football i'm sure it's everywhere they get babied so much to where like because i always think like some of the guys that are graduating i'm like what are you going to do after this because we've been babying you for the last four years and now that you're not going to the league like what are you going to do to where they can take this time and use up all resources from the school, get your bachelor's and your master's and play five years or six years. Then after that, you can be like set up for, I guess, your life. If you're not going to the league. Is it, it is sad. Um, and something that I was heavily involved in when I was in college athletics was um, trying to manage the enabling because I think enabling the athlete is like we we love our, our our student athletes. I it was you know I wanted to bend over backwards for them, but there is I think it was like I'm too young to be a parent, but there is an element of that parenting that goes into it. Like you have mm -hmm. to let them fail, um, and and learn from mistakes and all that. And it's hard because I don't want to use the term immature, but I don't really know a better one. And and not a discredit, I was immature when I was that age too, but. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I was in college, I didn't want to do any of the extras. I didn't want to spend more time yeah. clubs and, and and using the resources on campus. I get it. Mm -hmm. um, but now I wish I did. And so for me in the position where I was working with student athletes, I wanted to shake them and be like, dude, there's so many cool opportunities for you right here, right now. And you're ignoring them because you want to go to a party or play video games, yeah. which that's all I wanted to do. I'm not knocking them, but <laughs> it's just right there in front of you. So yeah, there's an element of the enabling that does hurt them. Um, but, you know, I I just hope that there are good people that are staying in the space to be able to provide those sorts of resources so you can graduate. Because as someone in a position now that I hire, I hire for my 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 um, my work with, I have people under me. I love hiring student athletes. I think it's, mm -hmm. it's a, they're the best workers in the real world. Uh, and I think there is a lot of transferable skills. I just think that you get such a cool opportunity in university and, and in colleges that you, you, I want, I just love seeing people take their opportunities and, and set themselves up for the rest of their life. Yeah. It's easy to look back on now. I mean, I was immature. Mike was immature. We all were now yeah. that I look back, like I'm glad. Okay. Yeah. I guess we're, yeah. I, I look back now and I'm like, I'm glad I did my master's. Because, I mean, it was paid for and yeah. I got to experience other things without golf. So it was smart for me. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true, Doug. Mm -hmm. If mine was paid for, I might have felt a little differently. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> Mike, Mike's too sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I was at the right place, right time, because I had all the leverage to finish out my masters and I could yeah but I guess I put myself in that position all those long hours as an intern paid off some way yeah, yeah. That, you're right though you've been doing those guys laundry for four years now they're gonna what are they yeah. gonna do <laughs> Doug's not there anymore <laughs> no no one's there there's two people no one for football wow but guess what, what? it's still the show is still gonna run without us and that's where we're like replaceable and that's why they don't care. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, someone replaced Tay. Yeah. 
very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. And then when he when he figures out, he's like, oh, I'm not getting paid enough. I'm going to find another job, and then they'll replace him. There were even, like, all the good academic advisors, like, they leave, and they just get replaced. Remember the one academic advisor we had, and they were not great? Can't that forget. one year? Oh, I do. Don't, don't name any names, no, but no, no, that was, that they was, were. That was terrible. <laughs> one semester, not even a semester. Oh, you can't forget their GAs. Come on, dog. <laughs> and their GA, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm uh, excluding myself from conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, like, I guess everyone's replaceable, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just it's the way it is, but um, yeah. Oh, Tay, I did want to ask you, since obviously you played, you know, rugby growing up and everything and then becoming like a scout in the NFL, how fast, like, did you have to learn about, like, American football and, like, to be able to like scout it like obviously you had like some athletic background and you knew probably a little yeah. bit about sport but yeah what was that like that transition or learning it yeah. no i it was definitely different um rugby and football aren't similar at all and a lot of people try to be like oh it's the same shape ball and you tackle each other it's like yeah but football is a is a beautiful chess match and we don't have that in rugby our rugby is a lot more free-flowing and so um yeah, I would say I, for, as a fan, I watched it my entire life. So I had that good basis of understanding how the game goes. And then um, I spent a lot of time with mates that played and, and asking them the nuanced questions of, of, you know, schemes and plays and all that kind of stuff. So I had a lot of those. And then um, I actually met uh, a lot with a – he was an advisor at my undergrad before I got into football, um, Coach Nagel. He was – uh, the academic advisor for football, but he also was a professor. And I don't know how we crossed paths, what we did. And and he was incredible to me. And I actually uh, sat with him for an, a semester. We used to meet once a week. The, no reason or rhyme why he would do this for me, but credit to him. Um, and we did like whiteboard sessions. He taught me everything about football just because I liked the game. And that was really it. And, um, you know, we know the X's and O's. He taught me, you know, the play, what playbooks look like and, why everyone does everything i can't coach it i don't know it at that level i don't know you know yeah. um, you know how to how to coach i would say but i learned enough that i could understand it and it was actually i and to be fair who's to say i was any good at it but uh i i wasn't my role at the rams wasn't scouting jared goffs i as doug kind of alluded to you, you get uh information on every single guy in college football from d1 through d3 damn near um, some JUCOs as well. And so you you try to get information on guys sometimes even before they're league eligible. Um, the I would say the only guy, and in, in uh, there's two guys that I remember scouting that ended up going to the league, and that was Jack Conklin, who went to the Titans from Colorado State, and Laramie Tunsil, who went to the Dolphins from Ole Miss. Um, other than that, everyone else never went to the league. It was just empty. It was reports I had to do. Um, so I won't pretend like I learned football and all of a sudden was a genius scout. Um, and so um, I would say that I, I learned it relatively well. But the the night, so basically how I ended up getting the role was um, Billy Gay, they did everything by paper back then. There was nothing in a computer system. They entered it into a computer system, but like reports were done on paper. And I left, I did like a shadowing day and I asked Billy, I was like, hey, can I get uh, like some of those reports? 
um, to go practice essentially. And he gave me 25 of them. And I drove from the facility in Earth City and drove past Walmart, grabbed a 12 pack of Red Bull and didn't sleep that night and did 25 reports on YouTube. I just watched games and watched like one game from each guy and did a, did a report in 25 different players, gave them back to Billy and was like, hey, mate, I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. I wasn't a scout at the time. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what, what I've done. Can you look at these and tell me if I'm on the right track, if I've learned anything? And he, he ended up liking it. So um, I would say that, you know, I learned enough, um, but I'm not going to sit here and give you the story that I'm the the next great scout. I obviously got out of it. And so um, I'm not, not doing it right now, but it was a really, really cool experience. And I hope I added some value to the Rams at the time. Oh, the yeah. guys we drafted ended up winning a Super Bowl. So I'm, uh, I have a, a memorial, th- not a memorial, but like a, <laughs> Oh, it's memorabilia thing yeah. up on my wall. I don't have a Super Bowl ring, so they never got me one of those, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, football is a different beast. I've been last, I guess, three years I've been with the football team. I was like, you pick up on things, but then I like really got into it. And I like recently I've been watching film of like someone breaking down like plays and everything that you see on the field is for like a purpose yeah like it's yeah, crazy it's like i didn't realize like recently i've been watching o-line and the 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 bangles their own line like one of the their right tackle is like three feet to the right of the guard mm. and and they were just saying like it just gives you like it's a longer way for the DN to go to the quarterback and he gives them the extra time to throw the ball for all these little things. But then it will leave a massive gap in the C gap. Yeah. But I was just like, it's a beautiful chess match, mate. I, I, it it's is. when I fell in love with football is when I understood all that. Yeah. I was just like, it's like, wow. I was like, I wouldn't have noticed that or like would have thought of that. Yeah. But all that just goes into just one play. Then if it works, it works. If it doesn't, doesn't, then you do something else. Yeah. No, it's cool, man. I, I love football. I'm not I'm not involved in it anymore in any fashion. And so mm-hmm. um, you know, I it's for better or worse, I guess. But uh <laughs> I, I will always love the game, always have a special yeah. place in my life. You can you can lose yourself in like just watching film and trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I found for me, it's a murky industry and it was something that I, I wasn't committed to. So I didn't want to, um, you know, be too deep in it. I, you know, respect everyone in there, but it's I wasn't cut out to, yeah. to deal. Because most of those guys, like, it's football and nothing else. Like, you just, it's all oh, football. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, we well, know I, our, yeah. our buddy, Logan, who's a running backs coach at a high school, like in his free time, did 101 plays, like three options, like the option play, like option study. Yeah, uh, yeah, just like randomly, and he like broke down 101 plays of different options yeah. that people run. Yeah, and I'm just like, he's just yeah. I was like bored and just wanted to do it. I was like, wow. Yeah. Oh, it takes a different obsession, man. Yeah, and, you know, it's a, when I when I owned my agency, we had a football division. Um, and I mean, that's a whole different story in, in business ownership, but our football division was, was fun, but we didn't have enough hours in a day to put to it, um, to give it the credit it's deserved. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
if I think you know we couldn't we if we did it again we would only do football or not do football at all. Right, Doug. You know what's what's funny about about Logan, our buddy Logan. That's the he's a running backs coach at a high school in Phoenix. His uh his like head coach there at the high school. Um, I guess like his like really good friend was the Oregon coach that just got the ASU job. And now yes. he's looking. Now he's looking for like GAs, and Logan's been like really GA jobs. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so he might. I don't know. I think he's gonna end up like applying there, or talking to them, which is kind of crazy. But no, Tay, I know you had a connection to ASU. You you went there, right? At one point. Yeah, yeah. I got the master's sports law and business at ASU. So um, I call Arizona my American home. It's special, special. I love Arizona. It's a really cool state. So did you go there after the Rams? Yeah, so I went Rams, then went out to LA, uh, but I joined the Clippers out there. I was a uh, business development intern. Uh, no, not, I wasn't an intern then. Business development associate, so inside sales rep pretty much. Um, and I was with them, but then, uh, as I'm sure Doug can appreciate, the old visa was coming to an end, the OPT. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. had to go back to school to stay in America, and I wasn't really ready to come to New Zealand yet. And so uh i went back and got my master's in sports law and business and so really fortunate that asu uh let me in i was uh i was i remember i graduated my undergrad with 297 and it was a 30 wow. injury and um i wasn't joking when i said i wasn't going yeah. to school and then, uh, i got a 4-0 in my master's though so um it clicked I me mean, i got a lot more mature after after all that and it clicked for me so um, I think taking the year off definitely helped as well because I went into. I remember when I got into ASU, I was studying the three months leading up to getting to starting classes. Like I was prep studying as if I was like studying for a test. Like I was studying to start my masters, and so I was committed. You know, I was really into it and loved it at ASU. That um, I'm now on the advisory board for for the program, and um, you know, it's a part of. I I will fall on the sword to say that it's the best sports law program in the country. I I'll die on that hill. I'll say, um, I you know the faculty there is insane. You know, uh, Commissioner Bud Selig was was a professor of mine, and um, you know, very few people in the states can say they got to listen to him for sixteen weeks, let alone now have a relationship with him. So, little things like that. It's just I'm very lucky to have gone through ASU. Yeah, I mean that's what happens with the masters program. Like such a small group like even at ODU like I know the people in like my class that graduated and the professors yeah which is like it's more work but it's also less like lenient lenient. yeah like less lenient like like I guess during for me like football seasons like I would just submit everything late and they were okay with it because I guess the work yeah the the work was up to par which is good Yeah. No, look, I, I think there is value if it's the, and, you know, it's more speaking to Mike here, there's definitely yeah. value in it if it's what you need to do and what fits you. But if there's not a need or fit, then mm-hmm. it's not necessary. It's, it's a specialist degree for a reason. And, and actually, funny enough, I always uh, advised against doing a double sports, doing a sports bachelor's and sports master's, because um, the sports industry is one of those things that you really, like I'm not going to say that you can really be an expert at sports, like it's sports business. It's business. You just do it around sports. And so there's some, there's nuances certainly um, to that, but um, you can only be so good at something like that. It's not like you're being a master's in aerospace engineering or something like where you could be really specialized. Um, sports is business. So like 
I always said that an MBA is good if you did a sports management undergrad or a if you did a accounting undergrad doing a sports masters if you want to get into the sports finance side but one or the other can be sports but doing it both it's just not totally needed mm-hmm. um just because you can't be that good at it um with that being said masters i think is heavily networking and a little bit education and so um you know it gives you an opportunity to be in the rooms with some really cool people that can teach you a lot that it's not about the textbook so kind of take everything i'm saying yeah that makes sense makes a lot of sense interesting so you really enjoyed that sport law program at asu yeah oh shit yeah it was uh it was awesome i i think the the base of the program was the way that i explained it was it's a jd and an mba pushed together and then focused around sports so um it's fortunate now because i obviously in my role as a sports agent i have a lot of legal um that goes down in my my profession um even on i so i sell sports properties as well um so like jersey sponsors and all of that and in doing that there's a lot of legal as well understanding ip regulations and, and the contracts both uh you know terms of service and then um on the other side of it as well the the actual official contract i I'm really lucky because I, I learned enough about law that I can sit there and read and understand it and know enough to know, okay, now I need an attorney. It's got to the point where I need an attorney. So um, it's law is all around you. It's everything. And especially in business, uh, lawyers are incredibly important. Um, and so I'm, I'm really lucky to have got that base knowledge, especially around sport while keeping the business side. Cause that's the other thing is a lot of people, I have a lot of conversations with people that are like, should I go to law school? And the, the thing with law school is that it's really good. If you're going to be a lawyer, if you're not going to be a lawyer, it, it can really be quite harmful. And what I mean by, and I should preface this to or explain this. What I mean by harmful is law is a very specialized way of thinking and reading and understanding of con- content. So what it can hurt is your creativity or your your business acumen or the sales side because I especially find when I'm around law a lot I start going into situations I wouldn't say negative but I look for the I look for the issues before the opportunities which can like kind of hurt the way that you think a little bit um so unless you're not going to go into law I would say don't do it just for a notch on your cap because it can it can hurt your way of thinking. Whereas the sports law and business program kind of kept that, like we had revenue generation classes and sports marketing and all of that built in as well, um, branding, et cetera. And it enabled us to learn law while keeping this like creative side of you and, and the salesy, salesy side going. So you can kind of get a bit of both. Um, but yeah, absolutely loved it. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds like nice. Cool. I would have done that if they had it ODU, but they didn't. So. One of a kind. It's one of a kind. (laughs) Hey, so tell us us about your sports agency. So obviously after ASU, is that when you went on to start your agency or how did that work? After ASU, I went on to ODU. um, So went straight out there. And then, uh, yeah, so basically what happened was um, I saw NIL coming. Um, It was coming from a mile away. And I didn't see, I saw a lot of universities and, and keep in mind, none of the story has anything to do with ODU. ODU was the same as everyone else. I'm not saying ODU were the, the bad ones in this. It was every school across the country. I, I spoke to a lot of friends across the country. 
and rightfully so universities wanted to stay away from nil because it was a new scary beast and they didn't want to get in trouble and didn't want to hurt themselves so it was easier to do nothing than something and so a lot of people sat on their heels the problem i had was if we sat on our heels student athletes were going to get hurt unfortunately we watched student athletes get hurt regardless so um i knew that if we we're going to stay on our heels student athletes would make decisions that were going to hurt them for the long term. So what I wanted to do was develop something um, that would help student athletes to understand the NIL space, whether it be from legal or helping them understand the power of social media and building their own brand, et cetera. Um, so what we did is uh, myself and, and a few of my uh, classmates and, and friends from around the industry kind of got together and developed a, what we weren't even calling it an agency uh it was really just like a nil assistant platform sort of thing right. we didn't really know what we we're going to do we just knew we wanted to help so um nil passed july one we kind of signed for lack of a better term some student athletes but really all we were doing was meeting with them and being like here's your posting strategy this is what you should think about here's some content ideas here like this is what an nil deal looks like this is what your value looks like we were really just coaches for lack of a better term um but we started gaining a bit of traction in the uh originally was the combat sports space so a lot of uh, mma fighters understood that their their brand or their their social worth was massively important and getting booked on fights because mma as we know is very market marketing-esque conor mcgregor kind of made that footprint and and everybody's kind of stuck to it Dana wants to match up fights that uh, that sells tickets. At the end of the day, we live in a capitalist country. That's that's how it works. We want to make money. We're not here just to put on the best fights ever. We want people with butts and seats. So um, the the MMA fighters understood that, so they reached out to us wanting our services too. So we kind of were like, okay, so we do NIL and MMA. That's kind of what happened. And um, a, a really, really good friend of mine, uh, Kyle Driscoll, he trains out at AKA. He's a trainer up there who's um, his, his, basically his agent is Daniel Cormier and his best friends are Khabib Namagamadov, et cetera, Islam uh, Markachev, et cetera. So um, I met with Kyle. Kyle came on board as our agent. And so we were doing MMA fighting contracts and NIL. And so um, as you can see, we started gaining a bit of traction in the pro space and then um, rugby reached out, just a couple of rugby guys. So we started doing their professional contracts. And then what made it became really clear and why I'm a little jaded on NIL is NIL isn't going to run a business anytime soon. Um, it doesn't really function as enough money to pay salaries and all that. So it was very much like a side thing. Keep in mind, I, as Tay Hawker, because of the visa I was on, I didn't make any money from my agency. I wasn't allowed to. It was kind of just the side thing that existed. I didn't make anything from it. Um, and so uh, I was all I was is passionate about helping athletes not get effed over. I don't know mm -hmm. if we're allowed on the program so um i didn't want to, uh, them getting getting in trouble and so uh we we got a bit of traction on the rugby side and then um we uh, i think the first big one was i went into women's football and that's where i am now as, as uh, a fifa agent but um we yeah we realized that the athletes needed this but they there wasn't enough money in it and so uh i as a relative business owner had to make the decision to say 
if we're going to keep surviving, we need to move into the pro space. And that's exactly what we did. Um, we needed to be getting commissions from playing contracts rather than just endorsements. The endorsements are good, but they like, for example, your average college athlete is realistically getting between 500 to a grand for an NIL deal, give or take your average one. There's yes. There's the millions going to the Hendon hookers or whatever playing starting quarterback. Yes, we know, but I wasn't a CAA or a Wasserman or Athletes First or a top-notch agency in that field. I was never going to sign one of those guys. I knew that, I nor should I. I had no experience in that. So um, that I would say that they were, those are massive agencies took the top line and they're the ones that probably could make money. The athletes that I was working with are the coolest athletes on the planet, don't get me wrong, um, but they weren't garnering that much money. Um, I had one of my athletes my first year that she did really well uh, I, if I had, his, I don't know her exact number. I, I'm looking at this, the tab for the spreadsheet that does have it that I could go look. But also, I suppose I shouldn't disclose it. She probably made between forty to sixty grand uh, in nil, which is really cool for her. Pre-tax, she had to pay tax on it. But for me, like that, as an agency, we from sponsorships and endorsements, we take between ten to twenty percent. So, like, we made a few thousand from it, um, and do that a few times, we weren't making much money and we weren't going to pay anyone's salary on it. And so, um, which is totally fine, you know, I'm a first time mm -hmm. business owner, I'm figuring all that out. Um, and so we moved into the pro space, started making money on pro contracts. Um, and that's where we started doing really well. Um, and then uh, we did well there. Uh, and then, yeah, then I suppose then uh, if you want me to continue the journey, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, basically what happened was, um, wasn't, I'll choose my words carefully, wasn't loving my full-time job. Um, I, what, the job was okay. I wasn't loving the my quality of life. Um, I was struggling. You know, as I said, my business couldn't pay me because of my visa. And um, I was very, very much paycheck to paycheck. Uh, a lot of ramen noodles being consumed and just kind of survival mode. Um and I was getting older. I was kind of like, hey, I've, I feel like I can give more to this world and I, I deserve more. I, I kind of, not to be cocky, but I, I mm. relatively highly of myself. And so yeah. uh, I wanted to to go away and achieve that. And and so I came back to New Zealand on a, on a visit uh, earlier this year um, and, you know, met some people that, you know, learned about my agency um, and ended up getting acquired. Uh, so folded my agency into what is halo sports today um and i still do hbc gymnastics still exists i still do nil with the gym girls um we have 10 i think and we've kind of capped it at that um really incredible athletes uh, still learning a lot about which which athletes are going to do well in the nil space and which struggle um and so I do the the gymnastics stuff. Actually, just got off our, our weekly call this morning um, to kind of iron out, you know, what the game plan is for the next week. And then Halo Sports uh, took in my women's football division as women's soccer. And then we've uh, folded away the rear, gave away some parts of the company, and, and kind of got acquired elsewhere. And I won't go into the details and all that. But now I can comfortably say I'm doing a lot better when it comes to. <laughs> salary uh i actually had ramen the other night but it was from a restaurant which is quite different <laughs> um, and so uh yeah no we're doing really well um as i said i i represent um my my role now i represent 
just over 20 women's soccer players um, throughout uh, Australia and New Zealand, obviously the States massively, uh, the WSL up in England, and then work uh, in tandem with a, a couple of agencies out throughout Europe. Obviously, English is the only language I know. So um, getting the girls into France, Spain, Italy, et cetera, is a little bit more difficult for me. So I, I stick to the industries that I know. Um, and then we are a commercial manager as well for Halo. So Halo is the biggest rugby agency in New Zealand. And I could argue probably, I don't know any other bigger agencies in the world, rugby agencies in the world. So um, I do uh, endorsement contracts, personal athlete branding for athlete, personal branding for uh, all of our, our guys and uh, Olympians, et cetera. And then um, do a bit of commercial sponsorship as well. So uh, as I said earlier, it's selling uh Jersey sponsors, um, you know, physical signage, etc. cetera. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of different moving, uh, moving parts, but I uh, love it. Uh, we, as I said, we're based here in Auckland, New Zealand, but, uh, you know, we've got offices, Japan, uh, UK and all over America and Australia as well. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's been a, a bit of a change from being a, a business owner and, I, like obviously I can get into all of that as well the difference between being a business owner and employee but um yeah it's it's been uh, the, this last 12 months have been crazy yeah that's that's insane but I mean first reason I'd say well you probably don't love you weren't you living like in Virginia Beach and driving to Norfolk every day yep it was my fault shouldn't have um that's enough, done to, that. that's enough to have yeah. you yeah Oh, was a, that was a you know thirty minute drive, which is fine. Gas was expensive, um, but I you know I moved out there because my friend was moving there and she had uh, you know a spare room as well, and so it was cheaper uh, yeah. rent wise, but then more expensive on gas. It was just I, I'm not going to say that it wasn't my doing. I probably shouldn't have moved that far away, but I was kind of wanting a bit of a freedom i didn't want to be too close to work as well i wanted to be close to vb because vb was essentially the fun part of where we lived but um yeah no i get it yeah i just 30 minutes and i i, I was driving you know like up to to the country club i was working at in newport news but i don't know if it was just like it's not that far and i like don't mind driving but it's just like the people that are driving are like just it's so crazy like I don't know, 264 and 64. I think it's the tunnel traffic that just makes it awful. Because it's like it's 30 minutes, but like it's never really like 30 minutes because there's accidents and crazy stuff. I don't know. It's just like just like not a fun drive, I guess. Yeah. No, it's it's not. Uh I didn't mind the drive too much because it was kind of like a it was a good opportunity to chuck on a podcast, have a coffee and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. um I didn't mind it, but I think price-wise it, it got tough because I was filling up my tank every week and it was just like, God, it was it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear well, you. What's, uh, so what's next for you, Tay? Where are you? Yeah. So yeah, what's I, next? I, don't, I don't have a what's next, to be honest with you, and I really am happy about that. Um, That's good. I think for the, for the last 10 years, I've always had to be like, what's next, what's next? And now I don't need a what's next. I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm making way more than i can spend and that's a really good spot to be in mm-hmm. um so really enjoying that uh, i love the the team at halo um i think that they're, they're really cool people it's nice being back in new zealand a little bit more as well um I, i'm shooting down to to my parents place for christmas for the first time and i can't tell you how long um for for next week and that's a it's a six hour drive but um yeah, it's much better than a 14 hour flight so yeah um 
I'll take that. Um, and so, yeah, nice being back home. I love, love the work I'm doing. Um, I would say what's next is, is growing my portfolio and my, my business here and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, selling more assets, getting, I've got the draft for, for the NWSL is January 12th and got a few outstanding athletes going into that. So that'll be a big time getting them squared away and their contracts all sorted. So um, then for the others that don't go to the NWSL, we'll be finding them clubs around the world. Um, so it'll be busy. Women's football will be a busy one for the next probably three to four months. Um, and so get them, them all sorted. And then uh, we've got a, with Halo, we uh, got a cool partnership rolling out with uh, Under Armour next year with some of our guys. So working with them, I, I do quite a lot of um, athlete branding stuff. So as, as I mentioned, so we'll be getting around a lot of our athletes and I kind of help them with understanding their platforms and and growing that as well. And, um, you know, that's it's really exciting too because it kind of gives them an additional revenue stream outside of their contract, the bigger they can get, whether it be social or otherwise, um, you know, how do we how do we monetize that and and help them to to again provide for their families and live a bit more comfortably that um you know using the opportunities around them. So yeah, and what's next is really just digging in the, in the company I'm in. I love it and uh can't see myself going anywhere to be honest. That's good. I guess it's good to find a place where you can stay and like I guess grow yeah. with the company as well. You know, trying to because that's why it's like like I, I'm probably gonna get in a position where I'm gonna get get a job, and then have to look for another job. Yeah. Where like it kind of uh, sucks. Yeah. So that's well, good. Yeah. yeah, I mean that, that, and that's the way it goes. I was twenty seven, well, twenty eight as of a couple of days ago. So mm-hmm. um, I, uh, birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. But I, I feel like I'm at that age where uh, I'm really. Lo- like I started putting unnecessary pressure on myself, being like, I've got to get it figured out. I'm 27 years old. Yeah. And, um, and now I'm 28 and I wouldn't say I've got to figure it figured out, but I've got a good foothold and and where where I'm gonna grow from. And um I think now I'm going, oh shit, I'm only 28 and I've got a good job that's paying me well and everything. So like you put yeah. pressure on yourself and then you realize it's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. You you had plenty of time. So um yeah it's, i suppose that's the other what's next is um i'm um starting to get into a bit of real estate investment in that as well do you you won't see me making any uh tutorials on instagram sign up for my class on the link <laughs> below um but i've got a couple of properties that that i've got my eye on and and my my dad and i will probably start doing that as well so i'm keen to get get a bit of money flow outside of sport as well but um the, the elephant in the room is we're about to head into probably one of the ugliest recessions we've seen in our lives. So um, mm-hmm. now is also a great time to not get into this. Yeah, um, yeah we'll, we'll see. But um, no, look, man, it's you, you. that's fine. You know, find a job and then keep looking that you've got ages before a pressure. Yeah. You, I would say uh, the big one for me is I don't have kids. And so that's, mm-hmm. I've noticed that's really big um, as I get older is, kids have popped up in my friends' lives and, and co-workers' lives and that changes everything when it comes to money as well. You need to start providing for a, another one. Um, and, you know, if you do go down to, you know, being married and, and everything as well, then the, you've got to start worrying about another person and that's really big too. Mm-hmm. So I'm fortunate at being, you know, 28 with a good job, no kids and no dependents, then I'm, you know, I'm in a good spot. So I probably should have been a bit nicer to myself when I was stressing. 
I mean, yeah, everything works out eventually. I mean, all the, I guess, internships and all you had to do, I guess, led you to right oh, now. And yeah, there's, I, I've only really skimmed the tip of the iceberg on the, the yeah. bullshit internships I've done in my life. So it's, uh, yeah, it all pays off now. Um, I've got a few gray hairs coming in the side, I've just noticed. So maybe that's probably part of the internships. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, it's all worth it, mate. No, it's always going to be worth it. Wow. Um, what a great story. And now I'm uh, I'm stuck in the States, not even able to work until my papers process. And that could be like six months. Yeah. That, now, I will say that's a really tough position to be in, not being able to work there. Um, I will, mm-hmm. uh, my thoughts go out to you because um, yeah. that is, is ugly. But um, the, look, I, I'm i not in America right now. I'm a, Like I said, I am in a position where I'm back, kind of back and forward for a while. Um, and that's fine by me. But I love America. I don't, mm-hmm. you know it's a great great country yeah i miss it a lot i've only been back a month and a bit and uh yeah it's a really cool spot man you're it is i guess the only thing is is like i wish like i had something to do in my free time because i have all this free time throughout the day i'm like i feel like if i just sit and do nothing i'm like like i'm getting nothing achieved yeah yeah it's tough man yeah things like podcasts obviously help um Mm -hmm. i training a lot when i was going through some of those windows in my life um i i know all too well about then you can't work but you have to live here sort of scenarios yeah but it's not bad no 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 the only bad thing is it must be getting pretty especially mike up in new york must be getting pretty cold oh oh i've been enjoying it i've been it's cold i've been i've been hunting ducks i've been outside i've been working on my dad I think next week it's negative fourteen degrees, like Celsius here. Oh, yeah. it's it's pretty stunning here, fellas. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you going to play golf today? Me? Um, my clubs are over there. Actually, I I meant to play the today or tomorrow. I haven't decided yet, but I've been playing a lot of golf and I'm loving it. That's um, good. Yeah, no, I'm I love very it. Loud. I don't know. Yeah. I remember this. I think it was this summer. I think it was this summer, and I like went by your office and I saw it was gone. And I was like, "Yes, they made it." I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like "There's hope for me and Doug. Yeah. There's hope for us." I'm like, "Oh, like, I was good. so I was so pumped." <laughs> I, but I guess it was empty. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're all officially done with that year. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I I went, uh, It was pre- relatively sudden when I left, so I'd, I I feel bad I wasn't able to say goodbye to everyone. Um, but I'll mention. Uh, I'm glad I had some sort of positive on 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 the place because it was yeah it was a interesting time in my life a good good stepping stone um, mm-hmm. and you know just all the best and everything I met mess a few people there so um, yeah no it was it was cool and it was uh, fortunately there's no bad blood or anything it was just yeah the way it goes yeah it's life eh yeah well if no one else you made a positive impact on Doug and I so yeah. That's all I need. They say as long as it's one, you're good. So I'll take two. Yeah. All right. That's good. <laughs> I love it. Well, we appreciate you taking yeah. time. Thanks, Tay. Of course. Saturday there, right? Yeah, Saturday morning. I'm gonna head off to the gym now and then got a, a drink later. But there was the there's a driving range that I'm a mem- well, of course I'm a member of that uh has a pretty cool driving range with the to- uh, flight scope built into the driving range and then I've got a, a bar there as well. So I've meant to get a beer with a mate of mine, but I'm thinking if I can tell him to come to the driving range, you get two birds and one stone, have a beer and a good swing of the golf club. So yeah, that'd um, be nice. 
living yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. You won't be complaining that much. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's I'm good. Forward. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening.